uh, I often think about uh, Jesus and his, his prayer that's found in the Gospel of John. I think about it a lot for a lot of different reasons. It helps me to know our Savior better. It helps me to know what he thinks and feels about me and you and the world. It helps me to understand the promise of our Father from the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3, remember. How everything was broken and he would fix it. He's the only one that can fix it and the only one that did fix it. So we praise the Lord for that. But I break, it, I break the prayer down uh, in different categories sometimes or different pieces. And I just take little small pieces of things that he said as he was praying uh, to the Father. And in verse 13 to, uh, to 21, I'll just read it to you. I don't have it on the screen. Just, you can turn there if you like. Chapter 17 of John. I'm going to read 13 to 21. It says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak uh, in the world, so that they may have uh, my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world for their sakes i sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth i do not ask on behalf of these alone but for those also who believe in me through their word that they may all be one even as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how our Savior talked to our Father about the apostles and the disciples that he had been spending his time with in the world so that they would be able to be faithful in making disciples as they were sent into the world to do so that you and I, eventually, as time went by, could believe that God sent Jesus into the world. Not only that, that we would also take the baton and do the same thing that they did. Not only be sanctified by the word, in other words, be in Christ and be blessed by the word and be spiritually healthy by the word of God, but also to take the word into the world so that the whole world would know. That's the prayer of our Savior, or at least a part of it. Isn't it amazing? And I've said it before, uh, when James talks about the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, I can't find a more righteous prayer in existence. This is the most powerful prayer we can read about and know about. And if Jesus prays to the Father for these things to be, 
I think we can safely assume they will be. Would you agree with me? All right, this is an amen Sunday, y'all. So be ready. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus is basically asking the Father that we would be one with him so that when Jesus builds his church, that we would be part of that process, that we would be part of the crew, right? We're, we're not really the contractors. We're not really the builders. We're just the crew that God uses to build his church. I don't know about y'all. Uh, those of you who have had jobs in the past, different kinds of jobs, uh, and maybe are retired by now, are kind of enjoying that retirement. And you should. You worked hard to get there, right? But I, when I think about going back into construction like I used to do in my 20s and early 30s, I'm, I'm looking at that going, yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I've done it. I don't want to do it anymore. I will do it if that's what the Lord puts in front of me to do, but I, I would not choose to do it today. It's hard work. People are good at doing hard work. Building the kingdom is hard work. Participating in what God is doing in building his kingdom is hard work. However, to be on God's crew, to be on his building crew, it is a privilege and an honor to do that. To be, to be given that responsibility, to be given that calling. It's not something that we have to do laboriously saying I don't want to go to work today right it's something we get to do we get to be a part of the biggest thing going we get to be a part of the thing that's going to last forever this world will not last forever and everything in it will not last forever but the kingdom of God what God is doing the family he's building the church that he's building up that lasts forever. Amen? Aren't you excited about that, y'all? I mean, we got fried chicken and ham and a whole bunch of other goodies down the hall that I'm excited about, but that don't even come close to how excited I am about eternity in the presence of my Savior. I'm also excited. I get excited about making disciples, y'all. I get excited about looking people in the eye and say, do you know who Jesus is? And I get frustrated when I get distracted about that. When life happens and something just takes me away from it or gets in the way of it. Because that's the world we live in, isn't it? That's, that's to be expected. That's why Jesus saw fit to lift us up to the Lord, to the Father, to say, give them what they need to be successful. I take a lot of courage and a lot of comfort in that. I want to go to Matthew real quick. And then we're going to go to our scripture for today. Chapter 7, two verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. 
have you ever had a big project in front of you and, it's, and you really wanted to do the project or engage in the project, but you just didn't know where to start? It's just such a big thing. You just don't know where to start to get going. You really want to get going. You want to get momentum. You're, you're actually excited about it, but you just don't know where to start, and you feel like you're stuck. Well, good news, y'all. We are the crew. God's already laid the foundation. We don't have to figure out where to start. Right? We, we're just picking up where those ahead of us left off when it comes to building the kingdom with God, when it comes to working and serving the Lord as his disciple makers, as the builders for the kingdom. Everything built has to have a foundation, and Jesus is our foundation. I know it seems like every Sunday I come in here and talk about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't, we'd have problems, wouldn't we? Isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> People ask me all the time, what are you preaching on Sunday? <laughs> Jesus? The Bible? <laughs> Jesus prayed that we would participate in the building of the kingdom of God. He would pray that we would be able to make disciples. We would be able to do what he did and the disciples did and what he's called us to do. In fact... It's what Jesus died for us to be able to do. He, he died so that we could get the sin out of the way and be all about the Lord's business. So that we could be His. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians and talk about this a little bit. Chapter 3. These I do have on the, on the screen for you. Chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, we're going to bounce back and forth a little bit. This is where uh, the Corinthians are having a, an issue here. They have a lot of teachers, preachers, evangelists, preaching about God, the gospel, Jesus. And they're beginning to pick their favorite teachers. The ones they believe or like to listen to the most. That doesn't happen in today's world, does it? I don't know how many times I encounter, encounter people who I believe love the Lord, but it seems like they love the preacher more. Right? And Paul is simply saying to them in, in this chapter... It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's not about any of these other guys. If we're preaching the right message. It's about Jesus being the foundation. Let's read verse 9 through 11. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Verse 11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which, uh, which is Jesus Christ. And he's simply saying to them, we're, we're all fellow workers with God. God has already laid the foundation in Christ 
And all I'm doing is coming in and telling you about the foundation that God has already laid down. And he's, he's saying, he's pointing out that nobody in the world can lay any other foundation that will support what God is doing. If you ever believe that this preacher is the most important person in the room, uh, I will do my best to correct you as quickly as I can. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that's called to do a certain thing for the kingdom of God. And if I, if I ever stop talking about Jesus being the foundation or, or Jesus being the center of it all or Jesus being the one who made it all happen, if I ever stop talking about that, y'all should fire me. I'll take amens over that. I'm saying that because I want you to hold me accountable so I don't stand before God one day and have to answer for something like that. Right? Because I love you too much to make it about anything other than Jesus. And I love my Savior. And he bled too much for me to make it anything other than him. He's the foundation. We sit here and we say, what we're going to do to get the church going? How can we grow the church or how can we make disciples? And we do all this planning, which is a good thing to do. But we can't forget that we're not trying to figure out how to start something. We're trying to figure out how to get in with what God's doing and do what he wants us to do to contribute to what he's doing in the world. He's building the kingdom. Everybody's invited to be a part of it. Everybody. It's the worker's job to go out and do the work. It's God's job to grow the kingdom. We're not trying to grow a congregation. We're not trying to grow a church building. We're not trying to grow a group of people. We're trying to increase the kingdom of God. There's only one way I know to do that. Get busy loving people, loving God, and watch him grow his kingdom. I know that doesn't always answer our questions, but that's what it's about, isn't it? That's really what it is. I can't make anybody be saved. If I could, I'd be doing that. It's a lot easier than trying to convince somebody to believe, isn't it? If I could just grab him by the shirt collar, slap him around a couple times, and make him believe, I would. If it keeps him out of hell. But I can't. Because you have to come on your own. Everybody has to choose for themselves whether they want to be a part of what God is building or not. Every single person. That's what makes it hard work. Because sometimes you've got to love people who are rejecting what God is doing or rejecting what you're doing. If you're loving them, it's hard to get rejected, isn't it? It's hard to be rejected when you're trying to love somebody. It's hard to look at somebody and say, I love you, or do something that says, I love you, and they just reject it as if it means nothing. And now we have a little hint, just a small hint, of how Jesus felt on the cross. Yeah? 
How dare we ever make it more or less than anything than Jesus when we're working for the kingdom? Verse 9, if you're a believer, then you're a fellow worker. Verse 10 says we are carefully, we must carefully build on the foundation laid before us. Meaning, be intentional, be thoughtful, watch out that we're not doing anything other than building on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let any wrong teaching come in or out. Don't participate in wrong teaching. Don't make it, don't get yourself in sin. We talked about in our Bible study this morning about humility versus exalting yourself and how the, the dangers of that are real. And the moment we start making it about ourselves, we are building something off of the foundation which will not last. It will crumble at the first sight of any trouble. Jesus is the foundation, verse 11. Look at, look at verse 5 and 8 of chapter 3, same chapter. Verse 5 and 8, he's, back, he's, he's arguing about himself and the other teachers that these guys are all, these Corinthians are falling in love with and seem to be lifting up higher than they should. And he says in verse 5, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Notice the comma in the New American Standard. That, that's almost a period if you think about it. He said they're not anything but God who causes the growth. Apollos wasn't anybody more than Paul was. And neither one of them two fellows was any more than anybody they were ever preaching to. Paul would have been the first one to tell you that he's the worst of all the sinners. All he's saying is, I didn't, I didn't even lay the foundation. I, I came and preached to you what the foundation is. So that you could believe. And then God could build in your heart and in your life a believer who becomes a magnificent witness for his kingdom and produces fruit and lays brick upon brick in his kingdom because they're genuine and they're all about Jesus. I don't know how you can live a day in this world without Jesus. I mean, I, I actually do know because I used to do that before I got saved, but I don't, I, I'm looking back, I'm just like, what in the world was I thinking? How did I ever survive that? How did I not stroke out? Literally, with all the stress and chaos the world brings. And that was, that was back in the good old days, before all the nonsense that goes on in today's world, if there was ever any good old days, if you think about it, right? Everybody has good old days. We're all servants, verse 5. Every one of us are servants. Everybody in this room who's a believer is a servant to the kingdom. Everybody in this room is a brother or sister to one another. Everybody in this room is co-heirs who are believers, are co-heirs with Jesus to the kingdom. Can we get any better than that? What more could we ask for, y'all? I mean, we don't deserve any of it, right? But what more could we ask for? Why wouldn't we work on the kingdom? 
Why wouldn't we wake up every day and say, what today, Lord, can I do for your kingdom? You'd be surprised how many times the Lord answers that prayer and shows you what you can do for his kingdom, and it turns out to be something that blesses you, something that you really love to do or something you really want to do. Every now and then, it's something you don't want to do. Every now and then, you've got to love somebody that it's hard to love. Every day is different. But every day is the Lord's day. You know, verse, verse 5, it says, it says, servants through whom you believe, right, whom you believed. In other words, you believe the gospel through us, through the servants of the kingdom. Not because of us, it's not because of who we are, but because the message came through us. He says, even as the Lord gave opportunity, you see, God is the one that even provides the opportunity to do the work. He's the one that provides the opportunities to, one, be the witness, preach the gospel, love people, and love God. And those are all opportunities for whoever doesn't believe to receive the truth and believe. You understand that God is in control of all of this. And hope nobody has a problem with that, because that's not going to change, right? God's in control. It's his deal. It's his project. And I praise the Lord for that, because if I had to be in charge of that, or if I had to figure it out, we'd all be in trouble. Because I wouldn't know where to start. We do the work with the help of the Holy Spirit, right, y'all? Verse 6 and 7, and God, God makes things grow. God builds up the kingdom through the workers, through the believers. Verse 8, look at verse 8. It says, now he who plants and he who waters are one, meaning whatever God has called you to do, whatever task God has put in front of you, you're equal with the, uh, the, the worker next to you. The ones you serve with, the ones you fellowship with, the ones, even the believers you don't even know, you're equal with them. There are people right now all around the world that are doing something for the kingdom of God. And we're all equal. But then he says, each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now the original writing uses a word that could be translated and maybe would be better translated as wages. You'll receive your, what you earn. You receive what your wages. And when, when I read about that, I instantly thought, when I hear the word wages, when I'm reading scripture, I go to, to chapter 6 of Romans every time. Because the wages of sin is death, y'all. What you earn because of your sin is separation from God for eternity. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, look, he's talking about people who are working for the kingdom, people who are workers on, the, on God's crew, on God's building crew, Right? So we're not talking about death. We're talking about something positive. Well, the opposite of death is what? Life. If the wages of sin is death, then the wages for repentance and obedience because of your faith must be life. Hello? <laughs> we're not earning anything here. We're not earning salvation. We're not working for it. We couldn't do that if we tried. But because of what we believe and what we know about our Savior, our heart's desire is to get busy being part of the crew. And the reward for that is eternal 
life. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we struggle because we try so hard to grow as Christians. I mean, we, we put a lot of energy. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to stop this. I'm trying to stop that. I say stop trying and just surrender to the Spirit of God in you. And let Him make you better. Let Him make the desires change in your heart. That's what the Christian life is all about. See, He's got to build you first before you can participate in building anything else. That's sanctification, y'all. God is always working on me, and he's always working on you. That's why, that's why I love our communion meditation this morning, because every time we eat, we have to wash our hands. Every time. We don't have to, but you should. What does that tell me? It tells me that sometime between one meal and another, something's happened that got my hands dirty again. Praise God for grace and mercy, patience. But let me tell you this. As I'm growing in Christ, as you're growing in Christ, I'm not always washing the same things off my hands. It's, all, it's something else. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was on there. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys that I'll be driving down the road or sitting at my desk or watching TV, and I'll look over, and I'm like, How'd that get on my hand? It's been there probably half a day, and I wouldn't even know it was on my hand. I'm like, what in the world? Where'd that come from? I don't, I don't have a clue. But when it comes to cleaning our hearts and, and, and purifying us, God knows where everything came from. And the reality is, is we always really know that it was there. We always know. But if we just surrender to being, look, if you show up to work and you want to work on the kingdom every morning, then the first thing we do is, Lord, Prepare me to be your sanctuary. Get me ready. Whatever's got to come out of here today so I can be yours, let that happen. Because if we're going to start building the kingdom, because we try hard, we try so hard to do church. All around the world. Preachers, Christians, we try so hard to do church. We try, to, we try so hard to do it just right so that everybody will want to come. And we'll have our full church buildings and make ourselves feel like we've done something special. When, when all God is w wanting us to do is go love people enough that they want him. And if that makes God provide opportunities for church houses to be full, then that's his will. That's his business. I would love it if we had to bust the doors open. Because there's so many people worshiping the Lord together. Or so many people looking for the truth about Jesus. And we could preach it every Sunday. And we would have to preach it every Wednesday night, every Tuesday. I'd have church every day of the week if I thought people would show up. We have to go with the Lord and what he's doing. It's his project. So what does it look like to be a part of the building crew as far as it has to do with making disciples, because that's what the building crew does. We go make disciples. Well, here, let me give you this real quick. Write this down on the bottom of your bulletin. First, there has to be a messenger or messengers, plural. 
They're laying down the gospel foundation, just like Paul described. Paul, Paul didn't say, I, I built the foundation, or, or, or it's because of me there's a foundation. He just laid it down. He just said, here's the foundation. Here's where we start. Here's where you start. If you're not a believer, this is where you start. You can't do anything else but start on the foundation. That's what messengers do. Then there has to be mentors who help people grow. These are people who are discipling other people. These are men who are taking younger men under their wing and teaching them the Christian life, teaching them things that they've learned. These, these, we're, we're, we're discipling one another, sharing life together. Ladies that are uh, seasoned believers are helping the younger, newer believer ladies learn how to be a woman of God according to God's word. Teaching them that Jesus is the foundation. That's what mentors do. That's what disciplers do. They're cultivating what's growing. Then there will be people who are encouragers. They're pe- those are people that in- they're, they're, the, they're the people that come in just the right time and say just the perfect thing to get you out of this funk or to encourage you for the day, or to, to, to take this depression that you've been in for two weeks out, because they come in and they love you in just a way that gets you excited about the Lord again. And they support you in what the Lord's doing in your life. They bring fresh water into your soul. Everybody needs that. One amen out of that. <laughs> I love y'all. I love y'all. The Lord loves you. You see how it works. There's people who plant seeds on the foundation. There's people who cultivate, and there's people who water. And then finally, you see that. People are led to Christ. They're saved. They're being sanctified. That's the growth, y'all. We're, we're, the pro- we're in the process of growing, but, and then the, the church is in the process of growing. The kingdom of God is in the process of growing. And I know a lot of preachers that are preaching in small churches where it doesn't seem like they're doing anything to make disciples. And they're so discouraged because all they want to do is help people know Jesus. And when nobody's getting saved, it'll make you feel like you're not part of the kingdom. When, when, nobody, when there's no growth in the church, spiritually or otherwise, it makes you feel like you're not part of the kingdom. Am I right? And then Satan will come in and try to use all of that to pull you away from the truth. The truth is that as long as you your family, your congregation, your believers, the body of Christ, as long as we're on the foundation of Jesus, there's no storm from this world or hell that can take that building down. God makes the growth happen. Sometimes the growth is happening and we can't see it because it's in here. Sometimes it's happening because you're ministering to people that are in the community that may never ever come into a church. They may live somewhere else. They may go to a different church. 
one day we're all going to be with the Lord and we're going to find out just how many people God used us to touch. Isn't that going to be amazing? Wouldn't it be nice to know? Sometimes me and the Lord talk about that and I'm like, Lord, can I just have a glimpse because that would be really helpful. (laughs) Knowing that he knows I'm that way. (laughs) And I also know he's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) You're on my planet. This is what Jesus was praying about in John chapter 17. He was praying for the growth. He was praying for the kingdom to be built. He was praying that, look, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to complete my mission here in this world. So, Lord, your will be done because this is the foundation for the kingdom. Be careful, y'all, as we begin to build, as we continue to build, as we engage in what God is doing for his kingdom. Be careful. Be careful. Be very careful that we stay true and focused on the foundation. Look at verses 16 and 17, and I'll, I'll quit. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. I think every believer should read that every day, if not every other day. Because it's easy to forget who we are in Christ, isn't it? And the moment we forget who we are is the moment we get pulled away from the work that needs to be done. From the kingdom that's being built all around us. And we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that this project can't be touched by anything or anybody. It's unstoppable, the kingdom. And you look around the room, and we're all workers together doing the same thing. Why wouldn't we encourage one another? Why why wouldn't we love one another, build each other up? Why wouldn't we depend on the foundation? Why wouldn't we depend on the gospel, trust the message? And when your neighbor, your brother, your sister, a person that might not even be saved, seems like they're falling away or seems like they're getting discouraged, getting away from the work, we read 16 and 17 to them. Don't you know that you're a temple of God? It's not not about the kingdom only. What, What also is being built is being built in you. You are being built. I'm being built. I'm I'm nowhere near who I was when I first submitted my life to Christ. I was a pitiful, pathetic man, not even a man at that point. In comparison to what the Scripture said, in my life, I had no reason to be proud of myself. But now, looking back over the years and all the things that God has done and what God has worked through me and in me and what this Bible says about me is amazing and what it says about me it also says about you we are no different and if you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you accept him as Lord and Savior you accept what he did on the cross 
then this verse 16 and 17 is true for you too. You are a temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoa. Whoa. There's a guy, on, there's a guy that I watch fishing. His name is Mean Gene the Fishing Machine. He's a funny old dude. He can catch fish like nobody knows. He's a crazy guy from Alabama. Don't hold that against us, but he's there. And every time he gets excited, he's like, woo, woo. Every time you watch one of the videos, this mean gene, he's like, woo, woo, and he's losing his mind over fishing. That's how I feel when I think about the Spirit of God in me and in you. Oh. The Holy Spirit, y'all. How can we lose? We can't, we can't wreck this thing if we stay on the foundation. It's amazing. Well, I done went on a rabbit trail, so I'll finish. Let me just remind y'all about this. We have to be messengers. We have to be mentors, disciplers. We have to be encouragers, encouragers. That's what the crew does. That's what the believers do. And if we just focus on those things, you watch God make things grow. In your own life, in your home, you watch him grow his kingdom like you've never seen. God loves you so much that Jesus gave his life so that you could have life. God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in you if you would receive it by faith. Here's what's amazing. God trusts me and you. Me and you. And everybody else who will believe with the gospel message. He trusts us to take it into the world and share it with everybody who will hear it. Isn't that crazy? Does it scare you? It scares me, but then I have to remember verse 16. Hey, the Spirit of God lives in you. That tells me he don't trust me that much. <laughs> that he's not going to give me the Spirit of God to, to, to ensure that I'm able to do what he's called me to do. And you. It's all about Jesus, y'all. Now, I love you and the Lord loves you, and the gospel is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one who went to the cross because every man, woman, or child becomes a sinner by their own choice. We've chosen to offend God. And he said, I will make that right. I will fix that problem, and Jesus is the fix. He died on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. It makes him our Savior. And it says, by faith, if you believe this, then you should repent. You should stop wanting to offend God. It says to believe, repent, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Praise the Lord. And when that happens, y'all, it says you will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you, then you hold on because then the building starts. You begin to be built. Your life, your Christian walk, who you really are, who really Jesus wants you to be, begins to be built. And then that overflows into the kingdom, and you begin to be a worker for Christ.